Welcome to the Tales of Success podcast, a show about Labradors and achieving training success. Hello and welcome to the Tales of Success podcast with me, Vicky Sharp. In this episode, we're going to take a look at canine body language and try and bust a few myths. I'm joined by friend and colleague Chloe Dawes for this episode. Chloe has worked with Tales of Success to deliver online puppy training to Labradors around the world. And she also has a really keen interest in canine body language and behavioural issues. Chloe, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Okay, so for those people that are listening that are new to owning a dog or have limited knowledge about canine body language, can you just tell us a little bit why it's so important to have a really good understanding of this subject and, and how it can help people with their Labrador puppies or Labrador dogs that are a little bit older? Yeah, so it's super important to be knowledgeable on, on dog, dog body language in general, um, and not just in general, but of course, knowing your, your own Labrador and their natural behaviour habits and what's kind of normal for them. Um, our, our Labradors obviously can't speak to us, they can't tell us if they're hungry, if they're sad, if they're happy, um, so they use their body language to communicate with us, that is their sole way of, of telling us how they're feeling and what, you know, what mood they're in. And that could be with you as their owner, other people, other dogs even. Um, and, you know, for this reason, it is your responsibility as a Labrador owner to understand their ways of communication so that you can you can build that strong and trusting relationship with them and, and have their back. Of course. And you said uh, Labradors can't communicate with us. Absolutely. If they could, I'm sure they'd be telling us all sorts. But probably can I have a little bit more food? Can I have some more cuddles and can I get on the sofa? Yeah. Um, so looking at their non-verbal communications and things they do really help us understand what they might be thinking and what they want. So really, really important. And I think in this modern world that we're in, we've all got access to Google and we've got access to Facebook. That's absolutely brilliant. But sometimes it can mean that the information we get is a bit conflicting. It might be poor advice from some different sources that aren't necessarily best qualified to tell us. Um, and there's lots of different snippets of information out there as well about body language and, and what they mean, some of which are accurate, some are not as straightforward as they might seem on, on first appearance. So in this podcast, Chloe is going to help us delve into a mixture of those common phrases that you might have heard and explain them in a little bit more depth. So, Chloe, when we consider body language, there are lots of general thoughts and beliefs, but there has to be an element of flexibility in that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, not just Labradors in general, you know, every dog will have their own generic kind of ways of communicating and they are very, very similar throughout. Um, but of course, at the same time, we do need to understand our own dog and what is kind of normal for them. So things to consider would be kind of their personality. Um, and like I said, what is normal. So knowing your dog very well. Um, what mood they're in at a particular times. So it could be that they're tired, they're hungry, or they're feeling playful. Um, it could be other signals and signs of body language that, that are paired with that. So, you know, a mixture of body language could mean something completely different to, to one scenario. Um, environment as well. Are they in a familiar environment or potentially somewhere unfamiliar where they might be feeling a little bit nervous? 
um, and company, are they in company with people that they're familiar with or other dogs or other animals as well? Um, so, of course, taking into account all of those elements, it's really helpful for us when we consider them in, in body language, um, because one or even a combination of, of those situations could display the same body language visually for us, but they could actually mean completely different things. So, yeah, it's really, really important to look at the whole picture before kind of assuming that your, your dog is maybe happy or sad. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many different um, types of behavioural bits of body language where that applies to you. So, We'll talk about this a little bit later in the podcast, but dogs rolling on their backs is is a good example. I can think of a couple of dogs of late that I've encountered where dogs roll on their back and actually they've meant totally different things for each dog. One was quite a submissive dog and quite nervous and the other dog just absolutely loved tummy tickles all the time. So different things um, relevant to, to different dogs and that big picture is so, so important with with body language, but actually anything else in training or behavior world as well each dog is so so different they learn and behave in different ways and that will be influenced by all of those factors that you've mentioned so i'm going to look at some of the most common body language beliefs now and find out a little bit more and hopefully we can even bust a few myths during this as well so chloe let's talk tail wagging first most people think that this is just an indication of a, a very happy dog and would people be right in assuming that? Yes and no. Um, so, of course, a tail tells all, um, and that is, you know, that is absolutely correct for, for the most part. Um, as you mentioned, you know, a wagging tail commonly means your, your dog is happy, but, of course, there are lots of other reasons why your dog may wag their tail. Um, a tail, in general, is a huge indicator for what their mood is, um, and, of course, it does go way beyond the, the standard wagging is happy and, you know, between their legs is sad. Um, you know, they're going to provide different ways of, of wagging that tail or using that tail in order to tell us how they're feeling. So it could be that you've been in a situation before where your Labrador has wagged his tail, but the situation maybe hasn't panned out quite as you'd expected. It had gone a bit, you know, pear-shaped. Um, so it could be that we need to consider some of the elements that we mentioned earlier. So, for example, was your dog in a situation where they are normally comfortable? Did your dog seem to be in a good mood at the time? Um, are they displaying any other body language signals to suggest that they're happy as well? Um, were they in company of familiar people or animals? Were they playing? Um, and of course, if the answer was no to any of those or a combination um, of those, then that wagging tail probably didn't mean what you originally thought. Um, your dog may wag his tail even if they are feeling a little bit stressed or uncertain um, to, to show that they're on alert even. Um, so to you, your dog may have appeared comfortable and happy with a wagging tail, but actually it has ended up going a little bit downhill because it was read incorrectly. Yeah, and I can think of a couple of situations where we've spoken to clients before about similar things there where they've said that their dog had growled at a person when the person walked past. But prior to that, they appeared happy because their tail was wagging and they can switch moods right so they can be happy because they think someone's coming to give them a treat and then all of a sudden you can see a different behavior so would you see the tail wagging at the same time as a different bit of behavior like a growling or would it usually be quite separate it could be a mixture of both really um like you say a tail wag initially could just be that initial excitement somebody's maybe at a distance so they're fairly comfortable um, but as they get closer, they've realised it's maybe someone slightly unfamiliar. They might have got a smell that they weren't so keen on. 
Um, and then, like you say, the mood has, has, has changed. But yeah, absolutely, they could happen together or separately. Um, because like I said earlier, a wagging tail doesn't necessarily mean they're happy. It could be that they're a little bit on edge, maybe even feeling a little bit um, defensive as well. Great. And the tail position as well is is going to be an indicator of what your dog's feeling. So a high wagging tail is typically that happy tail that we think of. If you've got a tail that's tucked slightly between the legs or held a little bit lower down and still, it might still be wagging, but it's in a different position, which gives us different clues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And what about then, we spoke about this just at the beginning about dogs laying down and, and having a tummy tickle. So if a dog lays down on its back, people think that that just means they want a tummy tickle, they want some fuss and attention. And for the most part with Labradors, that's very true. They're a very friendly breed, but is that correct? Yeah, no, like you said, it's, it is something that can get misread um, and is often misread. Um, like you say, with Labradors, they're, they're always so happy. They love people. They love other dogs um, as a standard. But yeah, we, we often can assume that it is an invite for a, for a tummy tickle. But of course, there are lots of other elements that we should be paying attention to to make sure that that is the case. Um, so looking at tail, like we just mentioned, is the tail quite nice and loose and relaxed and, and wagging? Um, does the rest of their body position seem quite neutral and, and flowing? Um, they might even have their, the mouth open, relaxed, probably even displaying their tongue. Um, so yeah, most likely in that sort of situation, you're 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 ready to give them a nice tummy tickle and they're probably going to be pretty happy about it. Um, of course, on the other hand, um, your Labrador may also off this position if they are feeling stressed or a little bit uncomfortable. So it can be seen as a, a bit of a submissive position. It's their way of kind of saying to you, I'm not really a threat, but I'm also not actually very keen on this situation. I'm feeling a little bit unsure. So normally paired with this, what you would probably see is their tail tucked up, up against the sort of their tummy. Um, quite nice and tense Um, they're going to be quite stiff Um, probably may even be giving you a little bit of whale eye at this point Um, so yeah if you're kind of seeing any any of those signs your best bet is to not go in for tummy tickles Um, your your absolute best bet is to increase your distance a little bit give them a bit of time and space Um, and then if they want to come to you on their own terms then they, they absolutely can do so if a, a little Labrador was feeling a little bit scared or tense and they went onto that back position, what why do they do that rather than just kind of growling at the other dog? I guess it's their way of showing that they're not a threat to the the perceived threat that they have, is that right? Yeah, exactly that. It's kind of lowering that position to a small body position. They're lowering themselves to the ground to show that they're not a threat. Um, they're exposing kind of a, a vulnerable area they're underside so they're showing you that you know they're not being confrontational really so you'd certainly see that on with breeds or with dogs that are of you know more of a nervous personality or maybe more shy um, as opposed to the confrontational growling but you know it absolutely could extend to that if you were to to go th- you know through those boundaries and, and not listen to that initial body language. And if you've got a little Labrador that's in that submissive position, so on the back, uh, tail kind of tucked up against the tummy and they're they're not overly happy, how would the best way to deal with that be? Is it a case of let them lay there and get used to the the threat around them? Or would we be looking at going, right, something needs to change in this situation to make our dog happier? How would would you recommend we, we help the dog feel a bit more confident in that situation? 
Yeah, so it would be figuring out for one, what is causing that behavior. So for example, if it's a human approaching, and that's what's caused the behavior, you would absolutely want to remove yourself from it and give them a little bit of space. Of course, if you've got treats, especially if you've got a Labrador, that's probably a really good way um, to make them happy and into their heart. So creating a bit of distance, offering some treats, offering some really nice kind of reassuring words, um, but not forcing yourself towards them, just really giving them their, their own choice to, to come to you and, you know, encourage them back on their feet because we don't want them to, to offer that behaviour too often and, and feel that way. So, yeah, anything kind of encouraging that you can give to them um, to encourage them out of that position and back to a more neutral position, they are more likely in, the, in themselves to, to come out of that mood. So it's just kind of helping them to feel more comfortable with the the elements that are making them feel uneasy rather than just making them sit it out and, and get used to it. Yeah, exactly that. Okay. And the next um, body language issue that we hear a lot about is my dog keeps sniffing other dogs' butts. And we put an Instagram post out about this recently, which got um, a lot of interest from people because people do feel embarrassed when they're Labrador goes up to another dog and straight away they go in for the butt sniff. Um, does that mean that your dog just has a serious lack of manners if they want to go and sniff another dog's butt? No, not at all. So yeah, of course, we as humans would naturally think that that's really rude and a little bit embarrassing because of course we just wouldn't dare do it to, to other humans. Um, but of course for dogs it is so, so different and it's actually quite a polite kind of greeting etiquette. Um, it's it's a big part of a, of a greeting, especially with a with a new animal. So it is very very common, and it should be allowed to an extent, of course, providing that both dogs are happy to do it. Um, but what they're trying to do is, is is their way of figuring out who the other dog is. Um, it's basically you know with in their anal glands they've got lots of different scents, um, pheromones, and things like that. So that you know particular area holds lots of information about them. It's like their own personal business card even. Um, so this means that your Labrador can sort of gain information on their sex, their personality, what they're eating, their kind of diet um, and you know even what they've been up to even. So it's, you know, providing that both dogs are happy to allow this to happen, then it's, you know, it's definitely a good thing to, to allow them to do that. So it's not as embarrassing as as we think. No, um, not at all. And I think, you know, most dog owners are accepting that dogs do these things much different from us humans. So if your dog is the kind of creature that wants to go in for a butt sniff allow them to do it but it is really important that both dogs are accepting we do sometimes see that if you've got a big dog going up for a butt sniff it may cause the other dog to to roll onto their back in that submissive position if we do that to the other dog it's probably a good indication that you should take your dog away because the other dog might be feeling a bit uneasy about it so not every dog likes a butt sniff particularly the the older ones that are a bit more mature and going on to the next thing about yawning, Labradors love a good snooze and they like to get comfortable on the sofa with the humans as well. So if we see a dog yawning, is that always because they're simply tired or is there something else going on with, with them to make them want to yawn? Is it a sign of anything else? Yeah, definitely. This is another one that, that can get missed because like you say, as as humans, we tend to do it when we are tired. So we kind of assume that that's why they, they do it also. Um, but also it is it's a sign of stress. It's a, They could be feeling a little bit un uh, sort of nervous or unsure about something. 
Um, so it is certainly something to look at. And again, you, you really do need to look at the bigger picture when they are offering that behavior, you know, what's happening at the time when they're offering it. If they are in their bed and they're having a little snooze, then more than likely, yes, it's going to mean that they're tired. Um, but yeah, yawning could also be another reason to, to show you that they are feeling stressed or a bit nervous. Um, and they can also use it as a bit of a calming signal. So you might even see this between two dogs if they're meeting. If one of them is feeling a little bit unsure, they may yawn at the other to just offer a calming situation and show them again that they're kind of not threatening. Um, and also to sort of divert focus away. Um, you might also see it if, I don't know, you've got a dog that's chilling out and you've maybe got lots of children around. Um, it might be that they're climbing all over them or pulling the tail and things. So again, you might see that sort of thing around that situation. Um, so yeah, definitely important one to sort of keep an eye out for um, because of that reason. So it's a very, very subtle sign. Um, but of course, if we don't sort of jump in nice and early, then it could not be so subtle, you know, eventually. And I think the yawning kind of ties in with lip licking as well, doesn't it? It's it's a very similar thing. So yawning, lip licking, or even diverting their eyes away from what's in front of them. And one of the things that I know loads and loads of our Instagram followers do is they take lots of pictures of their dogs. And I guess most people will have encountered it at some point where the dog yawns when you're trying to take a picture. They keep looking away or they're licking their lips. And it might just be that they feel a bit uncomfortable with having a phone shoved right in their mouth. And it can also be with with new people coming into their houses as well. So look out for those tiny telltale signs, which will just let you know that your dog is not as happy as, as they could be. And going on to the next thing about food. Um, we know that Labradors are hugely food motivated and love to eat pretty much anything in sight. Most Labrador owners will notice that their dog drools at some point. And is that a usual thing that happens just because they're hungry and they want to eat their food? Or is that a sign that something else is not quite right as well? Yeah, I'm sure most of our clients and sort of Labrador owners will agree that, you know, Labradors absolutely love their food. So it probably is something that they see quite commonly, um, probably more so around mealtimes when you're preparing food or, you know, the owners are kind of doing things around the house that are indicating that it's nearly dinner time and things like that. So, yes, absolutely. That's more than likely going to be a case of they're very hungry and they're getting quite excited for their food or treats, even if it's a training session or something like that. Um, but of course, it can also be a behavioural response that doesn't doesn't always mean they're hungry. Um, similarly to the yawning, really, it's going to be a sign of stress. Um, and you may see that happen when they may be left at home for long periods of time, especially if they don't do too well being alone. Um, it could be in the sense of car journeys, if they're not massive fans of, of being in the car, um, vet, vi vet visits and things like that. So, yeah, again, it's going to be the same sort of thing in the sense that they're, they're communicating to you. They're not feeling so great. They're a little bit unsure. And it does cause a kind of drooling response. Um, so, again, it's just kind of figuring out what situation and how we can make it better, whether that be bring distance into it or change the environment in some way or even some suitable training around the subject to help them feel a bit better emotionally about it. And I think drooling is one of those things that we probably see most commonly in, in issues around separation anxiety and, and stresses of situations like that. If you've got a great big bowl of food in front of your dog, chances are the drooling is food motivated and they want to eat. If you start to notice little wet patches on your floor, if you've been out, or you notice that your dog's mouth is particularly wet when you come home, the drooling might have been a response to, to that stress um, and that's the way that they show their anxiety in that situation. 
The the final thing that we can talk about is hackles being raised. So for those that aren't sure what this is, raised hackles is when the hair along the back of a dog stands on end. And most will think that it's a sign of fear or a reaction to something bad in your dog's world, or even potentially that their dog is ready to want to fight or to lunge. So Clary, talk to us about raised hackles. Is, is that thought process correct? Is it that our dog just wants to fight and react? So yes, raised heckles can absolutely mean that. And that is probably the most common sort of interpretation of it. Um, so naturally, dogs raise their heckles when they're feeling a little bit alert, a little bit fearful, maybe even a bit defensive. It, you know, of course, because the hair stands up on end, it makes them look bigger. So again, it can be slightly more of a, a threatening and confrontational position and body language to show. But at the same time, it can also mean other reasons. Um, it can happen if your dog is just purely excited. You know, I mean, I was I, I worked at a doggy daycare previously and saw lots of different reasons as to why dogs may raise the hackles. And most of the time, actually, it was during play. So if your dog is having a great playtime with another dog, more than likely both of the hackles will be raised. Um, and it's just that general kind of excitement that's happening. And again, you're going to see alongside that, that playful body language, the, the, you know, the fluent movement, nothing too crazy in that sense. If your dog appears happy and uh, the rest of the body language is nice and loose, yes, it's probably a playful and, you know, and a happy sign. But like you said earlier, um, you know, it can also mean uh, a not so great behaviour, really, because on the other hand, it could be they want to show you that they're not so sure they've been approached by another dog that they're not so sure on or a person or they're in a situation that they're not happy with um yeah you will absolutely see that the same behavior offered but of course hopefully you'll be able to see as a whole that your dog probably is showing other signs as well so it could be that they're yawning it could be that they're drooling it could be that they're lowering their body to the ground and they're feeling a little bit stiff and tense so Again, it's one of those that can get misinterpreted quite easy, but it's it's pairing it with all the other signs that will help us really read it properly. Um, so yeah, it can absolutely mean opposite ends of the scale, really. It could be that they're ready to fight or, or maybe run, um, but also it could be that they're ready to go straight into a play bout, ready to have some fun with another dog. And it's similar to us humans, isn't it? We, you know, if we get excited or scared or even cold, the hairs on our arms kind of stand up a little bit. Yeah. And it, it's many different reasons that cause that. Um, you mentioned about you you started to notice the raised hackles on dogs, particularly when you were working in doggy daycare. So that presumably would have been the excitement and the anticipation of playing with the dogs and all that kind of stuff. Is that what was happening there? Was it just partway through play that you would see that? Yeah, absolutely. Again, a mixture of kind of when it would happen. It could be partway through if the play is getting slightly more excitable are getting a bit more energy and they're sort of really rolling around with each other um or yes it could be just before they're kind of insinuating a play you know just before a play bow even they're kind of thinking about it there's a there's a few little nose nudges and maybe pouring at each other and things like that so yeah it's, it's a really nice thing to to see especially with daycare I was lucky enough to see lots of positive hackle raising as opposed to the opposite um, but yeah, it's, it was more of a, you know, a high arousal there. They, they're really excitable. They're in a really high state of stimulation. Um, so yeah, it causes that response to, to bring the hackles up. So what advice would you give then for um, Labrador owners that are out walking their dog and they notice that their dog is, has got raised hackles? So it's not a case of thinking, right, we've got to take our dog out of this situation straight away because it might not be that fear response. So we want to look out for those other 
other telltale signs that you've mentioned. So we want to make sure that their tail's wagging. We want to make sure that they're not drooling or, or trying to back off. We also need to make sure that the dog that they're interested in going to play with is accepting of that. So have you got any advice around kind of seeing your dog with the raised hackles, whether we should stop the play, whether we cut it short, whether we let it carry on or, or what considerations people might have? Yeah, so of course, if you are seeing raised hackles, it's always really important to look at the whole picture because as we've kind of explained, it's not always going to be one reason for all. So kind of figure out what the trigger is. And like you said, if there's maybe another dog approaching, it could be a bit of both. So it's really reading the, the whole situation and, and the rest of those body language signs. Um, and yes, like you said, as long as the other dog is also in that same kind of mood, it's offering those same body language that both seem accepting of a, a meet and greet or even a play, um, that's lovely. Um, and I always do say, actually, a top tip for, for any sort of dog playtime, actually, is to always give them regular breaks regardless. You will certainly see hackles go up um, and you probably see that the play can get a little bit heated or a little bit maybe louder. They're making a bit more noise and they're rolling around a little bit. But it's also really good to, to give them breaks because even though they both are very much into that play, we want to make sure that it doesn't get too overheated and, of course, go the opposite way. Um, and it's also a really good way to figure out if both parties are actually still accepting, even after five minutes of play. So a little distraction, calling them back to you, a little bit of fuss, just a 30 second break. And then actually just allowing them to, to choose whether they would like to go back to that dog and play. And of course, if you can see that they are both going back and they're both absolutely happy to, to, to carry on, then that's a really, really good sign that they're both happy. You know, on the other hand, you might see that one comes over and is a little bit maybe more pestery with the other dog. And the other dog actually is quite enjoying their rest. So it can also give you a really good indication as to how your dog's feeling and if they are, if they have had enough or if they are willing to play a little bit longer. Yeah, great advice. Regular breaks, definitely the way to go with it, because at some point one dog will just get tired, they'll get frustrated and they'll have enough. So, Chloe, tell us a little bit about how you got into the doggy world, dog training, dog behaviour. So you mentioned about doggy daycare. Is that where it all started for you? It is. Yeah. So I've just been a huge dog lover my whole life, really. I've had dogs in the family since like, you know, since I can remember. Um, and I've always wanted to work with dogs. So yeah, it was doggy daycare was my first proper kind of animal job. Um, that started off fairly basic. It was just kind of general kind of husbandry, looking after dogs, feeding, cleaning, um, and of course, um, managing sort of daycare groups um, and watching them play all day. So of course, it was great. Um, and yeah, it kind of went from there. And it was really that daycare and that time in, in group where I was really watching the dogs and paying a lot of attention to them that I was really intrigued by body language because I realized that there was so much more to it than I originally thought um, and that's what really interested me into into getting qualified and going into more depth of behavior and training um, and of course learning about behavior and this is where I am now you know I'm here providing advice and support and, and training puppies and older dogs um, and just giving people that knowledge as to to how they can read their dog and, and have the best relationship with them really so yeah, that's kind of where it all started. Okay, I've got one more question for you about doggy body language. And this is something you would have learned at doggy daycare. So when our clients come to us and they say, I need to socialize my dog, I need to go find other dogs to let them play with and all that kind of stuff. How would you recommend people get their dog socialized with other dogs? I appreciate there's more to socialization than just nose to nose with another dog, but how do they find the right dogs to socialize them with? The right temperament, the right size? 
what should they consider when looking for other dogs to introduce their little puppy to? So my top tip, I would say initially, if you've got a brand new puppy that's very young, um, you probably want to go for maybe an older but more calmer dog that's probably quite placid and not going to do an awful lot or even pay too much attention to your puppy, just so that your puppy can have the, that initial greeting with a dog and it's going to be nice and positive. You want those first few interactions with other animals and dogs to be positive, um, you know, as much as you can possibly do. So, yeah, something that's going to be really, really calm. Of course, you want to be there to supervise it and make sure it is, you know, okay on both parties. Ensure that your dog's happy to go and have a little sniff and ensure that the other dog's also happy to, you know, be, be accepting of, of the puppy around them. Um, and just keep it nice and calm and, and fairly brief initially. It doesn't have to be a, a huge playtime. Or like you said, it doesn't have to be always dog socialization. There's obviously lots and lots um, that come into socialization. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say that the first few ones you want as successful as possible. Calm dogs if you can. Um, same age is great. Again, if they're on the same level in the sense of personality. So if you've got another pup, similar age, also quite happy to play. And, you know, they're both quite confident with each other. That's great as well. Just as long as they're they're both happy, basically. And, you know, if you're reading that body language correctly, you know, you, you can't really go wrong. So, yeah, kind of assessing the other dogs to start with is good. We definitely don't just want them to run up to any dog in the park and jump all over them because it might not be a good positive experience for them. So uh, temperament, personality, well-matched and like I say, a nice placid dog that is is happy to have a little puppy run up to them. Yeah, okay. definitely. So transitioning from doggy daycare and all your experience with dogs previously, what made you decide to focus just on Labradors? We obviously know that they're the best breed in the world. I'm a little bit biased there, but what made you choose Labradors? Yeah, so of course, with, when, when I used to work at the doggy daycare, I was around lots of different Labradors um, because, of course, they are a very, very popular breed because they are just such a great breed, of course. Um, so I was lucky enough to spend lots of time with them there. And that's kind of where it all started, really. So I noticed that in daycare, they were always so friendly. They were normally really, really good with other dogs. Um, you know, greetings were lovely, always so polite, you know, really nice play etiquette. And again, with us as handlers, they were they were lovely, you know, really, really intelligent. As long as we had treats filled in that treat pouch, you know, they were ready to, to do something for us or be, at, you know, be at our side. Um, so I knew that they were just lovely breeds. And of course, you know, starting at tails, I learned a bit more about them. Again, sort of really saw how intelligent they are and how eager they are to learn and just how well they fit in with, with family life, really. So, yeah, I mean, it's just great all round. Brilliant. And we're very pleased to have you as part of the Tales of Success family. So thank you for that. Um, thanks so much for giving us your input on uh, canine body language. And if anyone listening would like any more information about training, behavior or nutrition, you can drop us a message via our website of talesofsuccess.com. And for those listening that find this podcast useful or interesting, please take a moment just to like, share or subscribe depending on the platform that you're on. And if you've got any friends or family that would find this useful, please let them know. Thanks for joining us. We hope that has been useful to you. But from me, all I want to finish off by saying is be caring, be consistent and be your Labrador's best teacher. I'll catch you on the next episode.